magic to me. It means everything to me, really. I sleep, I eat, I drink, I dream magic 24-7. It's not only my job, it's my passion. It's how I guess I connect with people. Magic is my lifestyle. Welcome to the Women in Magic podcast, where we explore the meaning of magic in a brand new way. Through awesome interviews with amazing guests, we'll do a glittery deep dive into the topics of magic, mentalism, performance, creativity, spirituality, intuition, and entertainment to peel back the curtain and look at the power and role that magic plays in all of our lives. Through shining the spotlight on incredible magicians and masters of their craft across the world, together we'll feel completely inspired by their insightful lessons, hilarious stories, and wild adventures. Thank you for joining me on this magical journey. Today's guest is Billy Kidd, an incredible magician who fuses superior sleight of hand skills and creative close-up magic with a background in theatre, arts and acting. Her unique approach to magic has catapulted her onto TV screens and theatre stages across the world and she's even received a standing ovation from Penn and Teller. Billy's mastery in magic has seen her featured on Wizard Wars, the Discovery Channel, Masters of Illusion, and across the BBC, HBO, CBC, CW Network, plus so many more incredible stations and shows. Billy, so amazing to actually be with you today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. So I want to kick off with a beautiful question. What does magic mean to you? Gosh, uh... I mean, that's a heavy-duty question. Magic to me, it means everything to me, really. I sleep, I eat, I drink, I dream magic 24-7. It's not only my job, it's my passion. It's how, I guess, I connect with people. Magic is my lifestyle. You've just given the most beautiful, holistic, dreamy, starry answer. That is amazing. Which is so interesting because in the research that I've done about you, let's rewind the clock a little bit, most people spend their life searching for their purpose and their passion and they find it and they're overjoyed and then their heart's full. But not you, because the moment you realize that a magician would become your full-time career, you were actually on the couch crying. Can you tell me about that? (laughs) Yeah, I can talk about it now. I've gotten over the emotions somewhat. Yeah, the the day I realized I needed to become a magician was to this day the worst, the saddest, the most depressing day of my life. I was sat home and I just remember locking the doors, turning off the lights, closing the windows and just the glow of the television and me sat on the sofa and I would just cry to bald my eyes out, telling myself, oh my gosh, I have to become a magician. I didn't want to. I had to. Uh, Yeah, saddest day of my life and here I am still doing (laughs) it. When you say had to, what was that? Was it a knowing? Was it an urge? Was it a, I am so in love with this that I have no other choice? Yeah, it was more of a, I I realized at that point, up until that point, magic was taking over my life. Like I said, 24-7, I was thinking about it all the time and it was interrupting my life and it wasn't my job. I never thought it would be a career. So starting to accept the fact that that was happening came to that moment on my sofa. Yeah, cry. (laughs) Because I really didn't want to become a magician. It wasn't part of the plan. It was definitely not part of the plan. But I knew if I didn't, it would have happened anyway. So it was kind of like a, a moment of acceptance, you could say. Yeah, okay. And why did you not want to? What was underneath that? I had a career that I absolutely loved. Uh, there was no reason for me to stop my old job. I worked, gosh, really hard at my old job I, since I was about 
five years old, I've always known what I wanted to do. And I had this plan and everything I did as a child was working like every step of the way. It just went according to plan. So magic was this invader of my space. So that was the hard part. I did not want to stop doing my job. Yeah, really sad. (laughs) It's still sad. If I think about it long enough, I'm like, oh, geez. Yeah. So you were you were very happily in the acting industry before you discovered yes. magic, and you were yeah. walking along the streets, and the magical moment was when you saw someone doing a street performance, and what happened in that moment? Yeah, well, I, I was working with a theatre company at the time that just happened to be working at a, at a festival, and there were street performers there, and a, yeah, a magician was there from Australia, actually, well, he lives in Australia now. I just saw this magician. I never watched a street performer in my life. I've never seen magic, never was exposed to it. And obviously the magic was incredible. I had no idea what was going on. His performance, I loved his style. And and I started watching his show every day for about two months thinking, so strange, he's he's making a piece of theater on in an environment where nobody wants to actually see it. And he's convincing them, not just through his magic, but his performance as well, and then I was like analyzing his stuff, like, and then just giving him money, cash in his hat. <laughs> and that was a draw to me. So I was like, this is really a thing, like people doing this. So I was drawn to street performance and magic kind of in the same go. That's my introduction was, was through a, a street magician, which was probably the best way for me to be introduced into magic because that's how I started was, was on the streets. I thought well, that was the only way. I can't think of any magician I'd ever seen up until that point ever or a magic trick. I've never seen anything. I was very sheltered in my theater jobs. <laughs> I say. love that you use the word convinced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was convinced. <laughs> but yeah, I'll, I'll never forget that summer. It was the first summer where I, I made a, a deliberate choice to stop watching um, plays and theatre shows. I just searched and seeked out every street performer and magician I could find to expose myself to, to that art form. And now, what do you love most about it? Is it performing? Is it creating? Is it working in the industry? I love all of it still. There's never a dull moment in my mind when I'm thinking about magic. I love the performance of it. I love the history of magic as well. And I love taking old magic and hopefully trying to make it new again. I love the challenge of it because you are alone doing it, which is not, that's not a lot of jobs in performance where you're, you're just alone. I know stand-up comedians, you know, you're on your own as well, some circus artists, but when you're working in theater, you're always with cast, a crew, and also in a collaborative environment. Whereas a magician, it's just me and my brain, which can be quite frightening, but it's a new, interesting way to discover things about myself as well through performing magic. And do you surprise yourself with your own magic? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, there's things I come up with that I'm like, why? I mean, they surprise others more so. I think some routines I do, they logically make sense to me, and I'll run it by some close friends of mine, and they're like, how, what is happening? Why would you come up with, how did you come up with that? I'm like, well, doesn't it make sense? In my, in my head, it does. So, yeah, I guess I surprise myself and others in some ways and just how I think and create. Would you describe your type of magic for anyone that hasn't actually seen your work? The type of magic that I do is, I kind of do a bit of everything. I I love close-up. I really love card magic. That's probably my first love, to be honest. I do a lot of stand-up magic, stage magic. It's probably a lot where most of my work is at this point, doing theatre shows and whatnot. So I kind of do a bit of everything, to be honest. I have done illusions before. When I first got into magic, I kind of dabbled in that with some friends. So I've, I've kind of dipped my toes in all areas of magic. But really, I would say close-up magic and stage magic is where I flourish. Yeah, amazing. And now you said your career started on the streets. 
What is the most valuable on the ground skills that Street Magic has given you that now enrich and inform all other areas of stage, TV, you know, performances? Learning to do magic on the streets or any kind of performance art on the streets is the best place to learn, in my opinion. Not just because of how I started, but it really gave me the skills and the tools that I needed. For one, it's the hardest environment to work in. Again, because nobody wants to see you. You got to ask them for money at the end of your show. It's a vulnerable place to be in. So it gave me those skills, which is quite useful because if I was stuck in the middle of nowhere, I know I could go out on the street and I have the ability to make some money. If I want to get a pair of new shoes tomorrow and I don't have the cash, I just go do a show and then I can go buy my shoes. It's given me that kind of freedom to perform yeah. anywhere and make a living. And that's how I started. I made a living purely off of the streets for the first few years. So it gives you that street performance also just gives you, it gives you a lot of strength and courage because it's so vulnerable and you have to be there on your own. And, and I think if you start as a street performer, as opposed to a gigging magician doing close up table hopping on the streets, you have to get good really quickly because if you don't, you're not going to eat, right? Yes. You're not going to get a crowd. So you learn crowd management and control and any potentially bad thing that could happen in a show, in a corporate show or doing walkabout. If you've been in the street, like nothing will faze you because it can be a harsh environment and you're dealing with crazy people and, you know, all of the above. So when you go indoors, it's just like, oh, this is nothing. And you learn to kind of assess your environment real quickly and read people. So, yeah, the street's giving you a lot of skills that I don't think most yeah. magicians have if they're just coming in at it from a, a booking kind of perspective. Yeah. So a lot of questions from that particular answer. I guess one would be, what is the wildest or weirdest thing that has happened to you on the streets? Oh, one of them that comes to mind was a lady interrupted my show. She was obviously not right in the head. Started screaming and yelling at me. Not very nice things. And then proceeded to take off all her clothes in the middle of the show. Like, stripped completely. <laughs> my audience was lovely. I had them, like, tight in and they weren't leaving. They were obviously going to stay and watch this new Naked Magic show. Uh, and then eventually she left. And I told everyone to hold hands as we make a circle so she doesn't come back <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. Um, that that was a weird one. And then, you know, weird things happened. Like, I think I was once busking in Florida. And I had these guys who were just being real dicks and just like interrupting my show and like, coming right up to me in my face and really disruptive. I've never really had to cancel a show because I thought I or the audience was in danger. But there are moments where you're going, how can I control this? Because it is uh, ultimately my responsibility. But yeah, these guys are just being real dicks to me and real heckling and stuff like this. And then the odd thing was at the end, they both gave me like a couple hundred dollars. <laughs> you never know who mm. or what you're dealing with. But yeah, it gives it definitely gives you the courage. And yeah, I'm not faced by anything really. If something happens in a show, you're just like, okay, what's this about? Yeah, because you're like, uh, I have, a lady has tried to upstage me by taking her clothes off. So this, nada. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned sort of reading the audience. What role does intuition play in all of your magic from creating routines to vibing with the crowd to pivoting in a performance when you need to change something i think intuition is really important it has to feel right for you as a performer how you're going to execute something or a line that you come up with or what you say it has to be authentic and genuine which i think is the main thing that lacks in most magic performances i see because we're given the patter out of a book or in the instructions and Usually that it doesn't deviate so much from what's been given if you are buying, let's say, a self-working trick or if you are reading something in a book. 
I think that's the biggest downfall of magic is it actually stops people from being creative because you can, as we know, you can just go into a shop and buy a magic trick and become a magician overnight, let's say. So if you remove yourself from that, which I do, you have to rely on, on everything that you know of yourself. So, you know, I know I like this. I know I like, for example, I know I like watching in a theater show. There's something weird about watching people eat and drink on stage. Like if I'm watching a play and they're eating a dinner and it's not fake food, there's something that really connects with me with that. Yeah. And it's always been a thing when I, when I used to go to theater and I've realized without knowing it, in like just my intuition, I've got a lot of food in my in my magic show that I'm constantly eating on stage. And I'm like, I think that must be from my influence as a child watching <laughs> real food on stage. I don't know what it is. So it's, yeah, it's just finding those things of isms about yourself and what makes you you and incorporating that into your magic, I think is important. Now, you mentioned that a lot of magic is the same because it's self-working and there are instructions. Is that what drives you to do things so different? Because your work is you just don't go down the straight line at all. It's completely unique. Are you driven by not wanting to have anything that is like traditional or easily accessible? I would not be satisfied with my work whatsoever if I was doing what everyone else was doing. Yeah. So there's that. I like to give myself a challenge. And I think because I came into magic quite late in life and from more of a theatrical background, when I first started watching magicians, even if I didn't know how the trick worked, I was just wondering why is it so bad? Like, my first lesson in magic was going to a convention in Las Vegas, not knowing how anything works. I'm, I'm amazed by all the trickery and, and the mechanics and whatnot. But I remember turning to my friend and I was like, I think I know what good and bad magic is. Just by watching these people at this convention in the competition shows and the gala shows, I'm like, there's something missing that doesn't feel right to me. And I think that's purely coming from my theatrical background because that's all I ever did and watched. I was always surrounded by professional performers and working with professionals. And I don't know, I got into the magic world and I was like, I feel like I'm taking two steps forward as a magician, but five steps backwards as a performer by watching and hanging around magicians. Like there's a missing link. And I was like, okay, I can't, I have to remove myself from this part of magic because it's not going to do me any favors. So magic clubs around the world are, are so useful and, and helpful and they're great. But I remember, again, a similar thing like going to this convention I saw a local magic club. They did a little performance for the community. And I was like, this is terrible. I can't watch this. I can't be around this. Maybe it's just snobby me, but I was like, yeah, I'm not going to learn from that. So I need to go elsewhere and kind of approach it from my experience and what I know. So I'll take any piece of magic that I do and I'll research everything about it. Anyone performing it live, if there's a video, I'll watch everything, anything in print and I'll, I'll catalog all of this and then I'll, I kind of graph it out and make a chart going, what are the similarities that I've seen in all these performances? Do they all say this line in this act? Do they all use this plot line? And whatever is similar from now in the history of magic with one routine, let's say, I eliminate that from my performance and I start routining from there from a point, kind of a blank page. Amazing. It takes forever. It's really long and and tedious because I could just do what everyone else is doing, but I wouldn't be satisfied with that. So yeah, that's kind of how I approach it. Incredible. So do you now stay away from conventions or do you just stay away from watching other magicians because it doesn't inspire you? I like to go to conventions occasionally. Nowadays, I like watching all good and bad magic because I'm learning from everything. Yeah. Okay. Just in the beginning, I was like, I don't, I just, yeah, it wasn't gelling with me. I was like, I don't know why there's the way they perform these routines. There's just something that I'm not getting. It just feels bad. It feels like a terrible performance. 
the trick might be good, but yeah. everything else surrounding it seems, whether it's just procedural or terrible to say, but I just wasn't used to watching really amateur performances. Yeah, <laughs> it was a bad taste of my mouth. Yeah, I was going to say it hurts your heart. <laughs> so yeah, but now nowadays I like watching it all. I like watching everything because I get inspired by good and bad. When I see something bad happening, I don't mean like the whole performance, just or whatever it might be. Like sometimes it gives me ideas. Yeah. I love watching the magic circle of the young magicians, like the, the kids, right? Because they're learning and they're new, but they're also fearless and they don't care. But man, the ideas they come up with are some of the best ideas I've ever seen compared to most professional adult working magicians. You know, and I'm like, man, this, the stuff I wish I could nick off of a kid <laughs> from their brain, I'm like, oh, that's genius. But yeah, they're coming in with fresh eyes as opposed to being yeah. brainwashed by the new trick of the month. So what falls into the category for you of this is amazing and this inspires me? Because within this answer is a very rich background in performing arts and theatre and circus. So whatever you say is the magic potion is about to come out. I think if I'm watching a performance of specifically magic, whatever it might be, if it's an act or an entire show, if it actually kind of, I mean, it sounds a bit cheese, but if it moves me in some kind of way on actually an emotional level, that has a way bigger impact to me. And I think if you ever watch a West End show or a theatrical show, that's not magic, but there's a piece of magic in it. So like Matilda, for example, or sometimes a Christmas Carol, if they do a piece of magic in the theatrical production, that tiny piece of magic has a way bigger impact on the audience than probably any magic show has because it's presented in a different way in a theatrical or storyline and that piece of magic has more of a a meaning and deeper feeling to it than just a ta-da right look at how clever I am type of thing so any kind of show that does that for me magically and very few that have done that for me go a long way in my books and I'd rather approach my magic in that sense than ta-da look at me I mean there are times for ta-da but I think magic can can go a lot further if, if we thought about it differently. What is the hardest lesson that you've had to learn in your magical career? It's not easy to be a magician full stop. Yeah. It's not just about the technique. It's not just about the performance. It's about everything else and persistence and not giving up. It's very easy to give up and go back to my old job or any type of job. And I think the hardest lesson is just knowing or trusting in yourself that this can work. So I highly recommend magic to anyone, but yeah, it's, it is the hardest lesson. It's trusting yourself knowing that this can work. Are you looking for amazing new magic effects? My friends at Global Magic Shop have an incredible range of hand-picked exclusive products directly from magic creators. These unique magic and mentalism effects, coupled with their huge online catalogue, provide the perfect additions to any street magic, stage magic, close-up magic, corporate magic or party repertoire. Head to globalmagicshop.com.au and use the coupon Jordana for a 10% discount for all new customers. So for any magicians that are feeling this is hard, I might throw it in. What advice would you give them? I'd be like, look at me. I'm an idiot and I'm doing it somehow. Honestly, (laughs) it shouldn't be this way. Somehow it is. When magicians complain, oh, there's not enough things to perform in or learn, I go, no, that's bollocks because I've done it and I know I'm not a genius. So yeah, I think those are just excuses, really. Well, I would argue that you are a creative genius. Nah, you got to find ways to survive, really. So it depends on how, it depends how big your passion is for it. It will guide you, I've always thought. 
your passion is 24-7 and resourcefulness forces us to be more creative than ever in every circumstance. So I'm going to put this down to genius for you, but you can sit wherever you like. What does your genius and creative process look like when it comes to either developing a new routine or improving a current show? Given you said you live in the 24-7 space of magic, what does your creative process look like? It depends on the show that I'm creating and, the, and how I go about it. So it's just every day type of thing. A piece of music might inspire me or there might be a trick that, that I really love, but I don't know how to perform it yet. So again, going back to like my drawing board, I'm going, okay, how does everyone else do it? I'm not going to do it like that. Gives me a nice, nice starting point. So quick little example is I do Ramsey's four bean trick. Normally that's presented as a comedy routine. I took it was like, okay, everyone does it like that usually. What if it's not a comedy routine at all? So again, now I'm starting from more of a, an emotional starting point. And then, yeah, what's in the color of my mouth? Like, again, what does it mean to me to perform this yeah. piece of magic? So that's looking at a specific routine. Show-wise, I've got a lot of different variations on my show. Obviously, I've got a stand-up corporate show. Those routines are for that environment. Some of those routines kind of seep into my theater show. But again, it depends on the venue that I'm performing at. And just how I create something. I'll give you a small example. So I was doing a residency for six weeks in a theater, which is unusual for a magician to have six weeks every single day. So I really wanted to challenge myself and create something different with the routines that I already have that are honed in and polished, but I wanted a different type of show. So I thought to myself, well, what is something that I would always love to do in an audience? If I was sat in the audience, what would I love to experience? And I thought, you know what I would really love? I would love for everyone in the audience to pop a bell rap. Like, could you imagine entire audience popping? I'm like, oh, I think that would be really fun. And I was like, I would love to do that. So I'm like, is it just me or is it everyone? So I called some friends going, if you were in the audience and everyone had a piece of bubble wrap, would you like to pop it all together? And everyone was like, yeah. So I did the research on that. And then funny enough, I was working in Vietnam and I was walking down the street and there's this Vietnamese guy just sat on a chair on the street popping bubble wrap in his own world, just like... I was like, okay, this is universal. This is a thing that we all, some for whatever reason, like to do. So how can I incorporate that into my show? It's not magic at all, but I like the feeling of that. So I have this piece in my mind, don't know how I'm going to get there, and don't know how it ends. And then I have another act that's not in my shows. It's just an act, but it's more for a variety and cabaret. And it's tedious because I need a second person. It's a double act, and it's, without going into too much detail, it involves a monkey it's a really emotional, dramatic piece with me in this this man in a monkey costume. And it's always been an act, but I'm like, I would love for that to be in my actual show. But what does it mean? How is it part of my show? So I've got two different pieces that I'm trying to integrate into a show that already has a piece of magic that I perform regularly. And I'm still like, yeah, what's this through line? So then I'm like, what's my connection to bubble wrap? Do I have any other connection to bubble wrap besides just I want to pop it? And then I did find a connection. I was like, oh, actually, yes. Halloween, it's my favorite day of the year. And I did once go out trick-or-treating as a piece of bubble wrap where every door I went to, they popped me. <laughs> That's a whole other story. So I have, now I've got three pieces that I'm trying to fit together. In the end, I solved the puzzle. I figured out how I could integrate all this and make it make sense with my experience. And it became more than that at the end of the day. The show kind of took a whole other life on its own, incorporating things I've learned from, actually from a dance teacher in California, the way he taught, he had this thing that made us almost like just a mental exercise. And I was like, I think I can use that piece of information in my show with the audience. I'm like trying to figure out all these different puzzle pieces to make a show that means something to me. That's also selfish because I want people to pop bubble wrap in my, like an entire audience. 
but make it make sense. It's not just for laughs. Yeah. It all kind of makes sense in the storyline. Creating a show like that, you got to pull from your experiences, I guess. And we don't all have, we haven't all dressed up as bubble wrap, so clearly we've missed a couple of important items in our yeah. lives. <laughs> so you go from subject or object to meaning to integration. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be necessarily in that order, but for that specific show, that's how I came about. I, want, I knew I wanted to challenge myself and do something a bit different. I knew there was routines that weren't part of my normal show. I wanted in there, but I just didn't want it to be a stand-up, your regular stand-up-matic show. Most shows you see magicians do, it's always kind of like, and for my next trick, and for my next trick, and for my next trick. So it changes your transitions. Yeah. And even if it's not a totally theatrical type of show, I think... When you're creating a show, the transitions are to me the most important. It's how am I getting from A to B without ever saying if I'm a next trick or do you want to see something more? Whatever that is. Again, I would call them stop lines. If you can figure out your transitions, that those are the key moments where you can expose yourself as a person, as a performer, as a human being to the audience. Yeah. Those are the moments you can tell your story is in those transitions, which informs you what routines or what tricks you should be doing next which a lot of producers that don't think about, I think they just go, oh, that's a new thing. I'll just put that in my show. But why? Like, why? Is your understanding and your value on transitions, does that come from the acting background? It sounds like you view them to have a completely different meaning and then potential for a lot of other people. I don't know if it necessarily comes from my acting background because I'm usually just giving this strip that's been tried and tested for a million years and like, we just know that works. I think it comes from watching, again, like just magic shows that don't appeal to me when just there is no meaning there is like a lot of times you don't care about the person performing the magic at all because yeah. we don't get to know who they are you said you know you used to do stand-up yeah. and i want to love about static comedians is by the end of the, their show i know about that person to some extent oh yeah i don't feel like they're just reading jokes from a book whereas i find watching a magician it could be any magician you're watching performing a trick from said book right there's no personality yeah. in it in magic for a lot of the time yeah so yeah, the transitions to me, that's the hardest thing to figure out and create. and But that's also the most rewarding part is those transitions. Yeah, now in comedy, some of the greatest jokes come from the biggest wounds. So yeah, it's very vulnerable. Exactly. Do you ever get an idea and go, oh God, how am I going to do this? Like, did you get the bubble wrap and are you like excited about the, how abstract it is? Or do you sometimes get an idea and go, no, 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 Billy, no. <laughs> I do get a lot of ideas where I'm like, oh gosh, yeah, how am I going to do this? And that's more from a, a technical or mechanical perspective. But those ideas like will sit like, I've been working on a routine right now, gosh, for about, even with COVID, it, it's still taking about two years and more to even get the full thing on its feet. It's really technical. It's really hard to to perform or act what I had envisioned. Again, the trend, like there's all these little things and I can only work on it in, in tiny little pieces at a time. And it's taken me years and I've had this idea for years in the back of my head and I'm still working on it and it's not easy. And any time I'm, you know, I'm working in Dubai right now and I can't do that routine here, mm. but anytime I'm abroad or I'm away, it's like, it kind of delays the process because I have to still do my gigs and my job to creating new bits can take forever. And that's, that's frustrating. That's where I'm like, oh, why did I have to think of that? Because that, when that routine is finished. It will change my entire show, this one routine. It will change the whole idea of my show to some extent. So it might be part of a completely new show, but um, time will tell. And there seems to be lots of time. So. Time will tell. <laughs> and what age did you actually get into magic? 
When did you make the transition from acting to magic? I think I was about 25, 24, really. Now you're 26, 27? Yeah, just a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> I think I tried to remember exactly what year it was. I was definitely in my mid-20s for sure. How much has the magic industry changed through your journey? Things cost a lot more. Okay. Yeah. People love to put out shitty magic for a lot more money. I mean, I don't even know if that's changed so much. Again, I'm not really in the magic industry per se. Like only in the last couple of years, I start might go to a convention, but I don't really mingle much within the industry. Yeah. That's not where my work is coming from or yeah. focused on the magic community yeah. per se. I couldn't really tell you exactly what those changes are, but there's a lot of magicians putting out a lot of tricks nowadays. There's a lot of tricks coming out where you watch the the flashy, really edited promo trailer, and I'm like, have they ever actually performed this for a real audience? Like, in what environment would you do this as a trick? So that's weird to me because I'm like, that's my number one question is like, does this work real life? Does this work for an audience if you're doing close up or stage, or is this just a one on one type of thing? So there's a lot of different mm. pockets and of magicians and and how and where they perform, which is great. But yeah, I see a lot more. It feels like I see a lot more of that at the moment. Yeah. And onto the real world aspect, there's a lot of people that will just judge magic as being a bit trivial or judge, have a perception of a magician from a young age and never have experienced it later in life. So have you had the experience of redefining what magic means to people through your performances? I would say anyone who comes to my theatre or sees my shows, I kind of touch on that a little bit. Not so much. I actually ask them questions yeah and so they tell me what they know and i get a lot of information from a lay audience and what their perception of magic or magic is and i the feedback i get from my audiences whether they've seen magic or not is yet it's not what they were expecting at all which for me is great like great because that's kind of magic that's kind of what i want to do though my intention actually is to present it in a different light there is this idea of what we think a magician is or what we think a magician should be hopefully that's my goals. Yeah, amazing. Obviously, when it comes to women in magic, there are far more men currently in the industry than women. What's your experience been over the last X amount of years that you've been in it in terms of the male to female ratio? Yeah, my experience as a female magician in the real world, I don't think it's any different than a male magician. Yeah. In the real world, nobody cares. It's very rare I get books just because I'm a woman. I don't advertise that I'm a female magician. So even if they just, it's just my name on paper, Billy Kid, they probably think it's a guy anyways. Yeah. It has no effect for me personally at all. So I don't know what the big deal yeah. is. Like, like in the real world of now, that's just not a thing. Yeah. Do you have any idea why the scale of male to female is so imbalanced within the industry itself? I have some theories on that. I think naturally... Men and women are programmed differently. And I think magic, you have to be a certain type of personality in the first place to even want to become a magician. You have to kind of not be really normal to become a magician in the first place, whether you're male or female. (laughs) You you have to be a bit of a freak, let's admit it, right? Like it's just not the norm. So there's that, but that's not anything to do with being male or female. But I do think that whatever it is in a man's brain and genes, it's just something that they're more drawn to naturally. If my first magician was a female that I saw, I don't know if I would have been convinced to become a magician or inspired. I don't know. That's just me personally, though, because that doesn't have any effect on me. It doesn't bother me that. I don't know why women aren't so much into magic. Most women in magic, 
there's things I hear that's quite common is, oh, card tricks. We don't like card tricks. And I'm like, why don't you like card tricks? Why are you not interested? Is the mechanical technical part of it that to me is some of the beautiful part of magic. Most female magicians I see are, are doing self-working pieces of magic. They complain a lot about card tricks. I just, I don't understand it. I don't relate to any of that. But that seems to be the common thing I sometimes see with female magicians. Okay. They whinge a lot, in my opinion. And I don't know why. Like, yes, I mean, you could say that any industry in the history of, of mankind, there's the whole thing, all the books are written for men and this. But that's because there's more men doing it. So if you come out with a product that's like, oh, I'm going to use a handbag because for the women, I'm like, well, good luck selling that. There's only a handful of us who are going to buy that if we want it. There's not enough women in magic to even make those types of routines if that's what you're into. Which in itself is a cycle though, because with limited amounts, there's less that are going to actually buy it. So there's less availability for young women to enter the industry if they do want to do effects with handbags, for example. Right. (laughs) But why do you want to do an effect with a handbag just because you're a woman? Like we already know you're a woman. By looking at you. So I just don't get it. I just honestly, I, I'm confused by it all. I don't get it. So I'm just going to assume that the idea of a handbag has never popped into your mind. Never. As either a subject or <laughs> item to include in one of your routines. No, never. Lipstick. Or shows. No, like, it's just like, I don't need to prove that I'm a woman just because I'm a woman. Right. Just by whatever trick I'm doing or, oh, no, I need a jacket, but I'm wearing a dress. And I go, well, that's a great problem to be in that's a great solution you have to now actually force yourself to be different my main thing is like do you think that men and women are programs differently and magic is one of those things that draw more men to it have you inspired young women to enter the industry has anyone seen your show and sent you a message saying oh my god you've been such a amazing inspiration yeah that happens but i i take that with a grain of salt okay because I'm like, now there's way better magicians out there you should be watching i'm like look at all these books that's another thing I keep hearing like, oh, I can't read magic books. I have ADHD. And then maybe magic isn't being then because the best stuff is in the books, right? So yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'm inspiring just because I'm a woman. I, I hope not. Hope is my magic and my shows. That's more inspiring yeah. besides my gender. Do you think we should be encouraging more young magicians that are female into the industry? Is there anything that the industry should be doing to welcome them and nurture them and encourage them more? Because like in comedy, for example, it's pretty fair balance. I don't feel that anyone's been discouraged as a female magician in, yeah. within the industry. Only from my personal experience, I was welcome at any magic club. I was welcome to any group, whatever that may be. I've never felt like I was pushed into a corner. I felt, In fact, the opposite, I feel like in more ways you're put on a pedestal, which is wrong, especially when you have no experience. Like I would be for the first, sure. even right now, I've, I've been doing magic for a long, well, a long time, 15 years now. And I get approached constantly to lectures and conventions. And I'm like, no, because I don't think I'm experienced enough. So I'll never do them. And I probably never will. Also, I don't want anyone seeing my stuff. I don't want magicians knowing yeah. really what I'm doing. It's not our business. That's just me though. So I don't think the magic community in the industry is not well. I think they're very well. I think they're over. I think they're too welcoming to female magicians in my mm. opinion. <laughs> I love how you've just gone from not yes over two that was just yeah. the most amazing like <laughs> no i i really do oh. i think it was me i would just be like work harder ladies earn your place yeah. don't use your sex because you know you can because we're very good at using our female qualities to get what we want let's admit it we know what we're doing i think it is very welcoming but again that's from my yeah. experience i know things could happen which might be off i've met some young women at magic 
just by going into a magic club or the local magic club got put off because they were the only girl. That's not because they weren't welcoming. That's because Mm. as a female, they weren't comfortable in a man's world. But that's your own problem. I'd say you have to get over that because I think they are very welcoming. So yeah, I don't think that, I don't know how that could change, to be honest. What is the most incredible experience of wonder that you have shared with someone through the magic that you have delivered? Like what moment could you reflect on that you've just gone, I just can't believe I was able to give that person that experience? I don't know if I'd ever think of my magic like that. I don't know if I ever, it's it's never my intention to give them wonder or make them feel like kids again. Yeah, I think that's something that magicians like to say to make themselves feel feel good. I've never gone, oh, I'm here to give you wonder. No. <laughs> I think whatever people take away from my show is what they take away. And I don't know what that could be. There are two moments that kind of stand out for me. And again, this is not my intention. I had a lady once, I was working on Disney Cruise Lines, not really my thing. I don't do kids or family shows, but a lady who has a child watched one of my shows and she came up to me at the bar after and she said, it was almost felt like a disclosure. She just came to me and she was like, I forgot how to play. I've forgotten how to play. And I was like, whoa, that's that's a weird thing to tell me right now. So I'm like, okay, what? that's interesting. Like, why why do you think that after watching my show? I didn't ask her that. But for me, reflecting upon that conversation, I was like, mm. it's an interesting thing for, for an adult who has a child, who I think if you've got kids, you are always in that kind of element of play. But she comes up to me saying she's forgotten how to do it. Watching my show, which I found interesting. Or, and then another lady came up to me once and after my show and she's told me that she had lost her passions and she wanted me to help her find them. I was like, okay, this is, I can't do that. But, you know, like, it's, so I find that a weird thing that people are like, what is it in my show that you're taking away from where, where you feel that? And no, that's not for everybody. A lot of people after my show will be like, how old are you? So I just don't think of it like me. I'm, I'm doing anyone a favor or I'm trying to give them wonder. I just feel really? fine like that's now a, a stock line too. When magicians say that. You don't intend to give wonder, you don't intend to give like that level of joy, but you've just described two people who have probably had such similar reactions from many of your shows where you have actually given them the wonder, the joy, the sparkles and the glitter back. I mean, my bubble wrap show, for example, there was kind of a thing, an underlying kind of theme or thing I wanted to get across to the audience, which they gave them the motivation to, to pop the bubble wrap. And I kind of was like, for me, I'm like, if I can make you everyone in the audience stop being old babies if that makes sense i look at humans adults and i'm like we're all just old babies walking around doing our thing but we're really just an old baby that's now scared to express yeah. and and you know we're we've got all these new rules when the older you get right just to be socially accepted so i guess part of my show is like what if we throw that out the window and we do it differently or we're in a safe environment where you can be you. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's kind of the goal in that show. So it's all it's all very different depending depending on the show. I love that. When we meet, I won't come up to you and say, Billy, what's my life purpose? I've been like, Can you go get me a coffee over there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, go, go, go. Go away. Oh, thank you so much. That has been amazing. You actually have so many gifts, so many talents, so much experience to share that if you don't acknowledge it yourself, I will tell you that you are remarkable in terms of what you give people and you give them so many more layers and levels than you intend to. 
That's my two cents. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thanks. Thank you so much, Billy. It's been an absolute blast. Can't wait till I meet you in person. And ask for your critical feedback on my show and ask you to help me find my life's purpose, which I know you will greet with open arms. Yes, of course. I look forward to the day we can meet in person. Amazing. I'm excited. Thanks again for having me. Thank you for coming on. To learn more about Billy's magic, you can find a link to her website and her social media accounts in the episode show notes. Thank you so much for listening and joining our adventure. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a star rating and a review because it will absolutely help spread the magic to more people. Catch you next episode.